You got to believe in the word. You got to believe in yourself. And then you can't quit. You got to know and expect, especially as a Christian in a fallen world, that there's going to be lots of adversity. There's going to be lots of challenges. That adversity in your life, it can either destroy you, define you, or develop you. All right. If you've got God in your life, he will use that adversity to develop you into who he wants you to become and use it to help you fulfill the purpose that he's created you for. So many people are destroyed by the adversity in their life or the bad decision or the bad circumstance, or they're defined by it the rest of their life. And that's not what God has intended. God can take everything. He can take anything and use it for his good. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and I want to wish everybody a happy Easter, and I am wishing everyone a healthy and happy holiday, and hopefully you are spending it with those that you love. And for those that aren't celebrating, I am wishing you a day full of peace, love, and happiness as well. And we have a special episode today, and traditionally, I don't release three episodes per week. But given the context of this particular conversation and how it relates to Easter, I thought it would only be fitting to release it today. And many of you will recognize my guest because he is one of the most accomplished college football coaches of our lifetime. And today we dive into parts of his journey that you may not be as familiar with, specifically his childhood and what led him to become a Christian. Clemson football head coach Dabo Sweeney joins me today on the show. For those of you who aren't sports fans, since taking over as head coach in 2008, he has won five conference titles and two national championships. His team is consistently in the running for winning the national championship every year. What I believe sets him apart is his commitment to making his players not just better athletes, but better humans as well. We discuss his upbringing, his faith, and of course, his coaching career. He explains how his positivity and motivational nature was something that he created in reaction to adverse circumstances. He shares the secret recipe he gives his players to get out of a rut and which players have impacted him. I hope you find my conversation with Coach Sweeney as inspiring, encouraging, and surprising as I did. Happy Easter. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Coach Dabo Sweeney to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Coach Sweeney, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, man. I don't have a fancy microphone like you got, but I'm glad to join you. But you do have a headset you wear on the sidelines when you're coaching, (laughs) so I am a little jealous of that. Yeah, I do. I do. Man, I got to tell you, we spent some time together back in 2019 when I came down and spoke to your team and got to know you a little bit. And you are one positive, motivational, just fired up guy. Have you always been like this? Because I'm sure like some people from the outside are like, man, that guy must have never had any struggle. He must have always been like this. But <laughs> we all know that's not the case. But I want to ask, have you always been this this positive and upbeat? Or was this something that you had to craft as you grew older? 
Yeah, I think if you ask my mom that, she would say that I've always been three quarters full guy, not even half full. I think she would tell you that. And I and that has served me well. It really has. And I think, but as I grew up, I, I realized that was a characteristic, if you will, or and it came natural to me. And it served me well. I think it's just a gift that, that God gave me. But the good news is it's a choice that we can all make. And sometimes you just have to be intentional with that. And in fact, I got it on my desk right here. I've got this little quote that says, and it's actually something that I cut out of an article that I did back uh, when I was a player. And it says, I've always found a way to be happy. I've had some hard times in my life and I've, and I've learned that you've got to find a way to have a good attitude and be happy no matter what's happening. Your attitude is the one thing you always control. And that's something that I learned early on. And I've always been positive and I've always just had this belief that, you know what? Hey, I can do it. And and I, that has served me well, but because I didn't know what was coming in my path of life. And I've had a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges, a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks, a lot of, some people know my background. Some people don't. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, a baby of three boys. Father was an alcoholic and and a mean, mean alcoholic, uh, a really good man with a great heart, but he had some demons. And when he was drinking, he was a very mean alcoholic and it led to just destruction. We didn't, I grew up in a family of no education. My parents were married at 18 years old. My dad was an appliance man, just very simple people. I was the first one to go off to college and graduate from college and, and, and just a lot of dysfunction, a lot of struggles, parents divorced. So you got no education, you got addiction in the home and you got divorce. That's a, I would be labeled as an at-risk kid. If you were growing up in today's world where we label everybody, it'd be at-risk. But I never looked at myself that way. I, I learned to just have a great attitude and to believe in the best in people, to believe in, in, in the best of my future. And I learned that, you know what? I, I learned that I don't control all these things. But what I learned is that I was in control of how I thought. I was in control of, of what I believed. And I was in control of my work ethic. And I could, and I figured out, I just, I, I wanted something different. And I think so many people, they fall into the trap of this is the way it's been. And that's the way it's supposed to be for me. And, and you have to change that. You have to change. And I deal with that with my players from time to time. Guys like, oh, coach, you don't understand. This is the, I'm like, no, I do understand. And I'm like, listen, we got to change the way you think. You can't, you, if you want to be part of the solution, then, then we've got to change that pattern. And, and somebody's got to create that change. And so where there's no challenge, there's no change. Mm. And so lots of challenges along the way. But for me, just having a positive attitude when it didn't even make any sense. And, and then thankfully, I, my faith is strong. And I've met the Lord when I was 16 years old at, at a very critical time in my life. And that gave me a peace and a hope and an anchor and a foundation to navigate the storms of life, especially over the next 10 years of my life and, and things that I would deal with from the time I was 15, 16 to you know, 24, 25 years old. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I think life is short and uh, we get one life and having a positive attitude doesn't change the circumstances. Bad things happen, but I think if you, we still have a choice. And I just know that positive thinking is the foundation for positive results. 
And, and it just, that's a choice that we all have every day. And it's something that I, and it's not that I don't have bad days, but it's just something I've tried to always come back to as the foundation of my life is, okay, I don't like any of this, but what's my attitude going to be? And if I can have that, then I've got a chance to, to get through this and grow from it. Yeah. And I think that's great advice with a lot of people these days growing up in that same situation that you did. They grow up in a broken home, dysfunctional parent might be an alcoholic. Somebody might be abusive and people feel lost. And they're like, where do I turn to? Where do I go? And a lot of people end up turning to drugs, alcohol and other things that can become a detriment to their life. So I think if people can just focus on their attitude, their thoughts, their actions, what they can control, it at least gives them a chance to come out of that unfortunate situation. But I think what tends to happen in a lot of cases is people just tend to focus on the other side and all the bad things and how crappy their situation is, which is true. But thinking that way isn't going to change it. What can change it and give you that chance to get out of it is having a positive outlook, doing things that you know will set you apart and be different from your family dynamic or whatever the struggle is, and then maintaining an optimistic attitude and belief in yourself that you can get out of it. That's right. And I think what you went through, I'm sure, helps you to relate to the players because you have players that come to you that probably at times, I'm sure, went through a lot of the same stuff that you went through and they might not even know your story. And they're like, you don't get it. Like, you don't yeah. get that I grew up in a broken home. You don't, gr- you don't get that I grew up with a lot of dysfunction. Parents weren't around. And you're like, oh, I do get it. Yeah. Here's what I learned. And here's what got me out of it. And then they're like, okay, coach, I see you. I hear you. And then you develop that, that deep emotional bond with the players, which is why I think so many people come to want to play for you or they just love you. People just gravitate towards you. And I think it's because you get really personal with your players. It's not just a transactional relationship. No, it's not at all. And that's how I got into coaching. When I started, I didn't, I didn't go to college to coach. I, I wanted to play ball and I wanted to be a doctor. And I was chasing my dream to be a doctor for three years. And then I realized that's not really what I want to do. And, and things worked out. I finished up playing and my coach wanted me to be a grad assistant. And I never really thought about coaching, but all of a sudden I had like clarity of my life. Like I realized God was really using all those things that I dealt with. Sometimes we don't all, we don't ever know why we're going through things that we go through. We all make mistakes. We all, but listen, God will take all of that mess that we have in life and create a great message. God will do that. And, and that's why I'm passionate about my faith. I'm passionate about helping other people have a foundation uh, like that because God, we don't, when you don't have that foundation of faith in your life, that's what happens. You're seeking that peace in other things. And especially if you grow up in a, as an at-risk kid because of dysfunction, addiction, divorce, whatever it is, you're so much more vulnerable to get sucked into those same things because you're looking for peace and happiness and, and hope and belonging. And next thing it's, you're heading down this road and and what I learned as a young person is what I, and it's what I try to teach these guys is, man, it doesn't matter who our mom and dad are. It doesn't matter what home we're born in. It doesn't matter what the color of our skin is. It do, none of that stuff matters. It doesn't. What matters is us taking personal responsibility and having a belief and a work ethic to go do it. And yes, it's easier for some than others. Listen, I had friends that their parents could pay for them to go to college. And 
great. Good for them. And one of my goals was to be able to pay for my kids to go to college in life one day. But the only way that was going to happen is I was going to have to take personal responsibility for my actions and my decisions, not my dad's decisions, my decisions, like my decisions. What am I going to do when I wake up today? What decisions am I going to make when nobody's watching? What decisions in the dark am I going to make when nobody would know? Those are the things that ultimately you have to take control of and realize it's not up to my mom or my dad or any of that stuff. I am in charge and in control of my destiny. And, and it goes back to the Gandhi quote. I love the Gandhi quote. He said, your beliefs become your thoughts, become your words. Your words become your actions, become your habits. Your habits become your values, become your destiny. So your destiny starts with what your beliefs and thoughts are, not what your, who your parents are, color your skin. And that's just what I believe. I believe that, okay, yeah, all right. Hey, I can't, I'm going I'm to go to school. It's going to be hard for me, but you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to get a Pell Grant. I'm going to get a student loan. I know I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to go do side jobs. I'm going to have to do everything. But I didn't care. I had a great attitude. That's, that was, that's what I've got to do, you know? But at the end of the day, I can do that. And it's my responsibility to go put the work in. And it does it. I can have the biggest dreams in the world, but if, if my daily commitment, it doesn't align with my dream, I'm not going to get there. I got to go put the work in. And so that's just what's my mindset. And, 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 and that gave me, it freed me up and it gave me peace. And I think, again, a lot of times when people don't have that foundation of faith in life, they get off track and they lose their focus and they lose their hope and they look for hope in, in the wrong things. And all those things will let you down. And uh, so I'm thankful that I had that, that Holy Spirit inside of me guiding me along the way and kicking me in the butt when I needed it and comforting me when I needed that too. But when I got into coaching, it was like, man, I had this aha moment of what? All of a sudden, everything in my life made sense to me because God was preparing me to, to do what I do and to be able to teach and to be able to empower and equip uh, young people through this great game of football. And that's what I love more than anything, seeing transformation, seeing these young guys learn how to take ownership of their life and be freed up. And that, you know what, you can do it. Okay, maybe this is, maybe this is the way it's been in, in my family for a long time, but you know what, somebody's got to change that. And, and for me and my family, well, getting my college education, nobody in my family had a college education, brothers, parents, grandparents. It, my family tree kind of grew another trunk. And, and, and that's changed my kids' lives and my grandkids' lives and, and so forth. And I had no idea what God's plan for me was when I was just going through my journey. But I knew this. I knew if, if I stayed focused, if I got my education if I had the right thoughts and beliefs and I made sure my actions and habits that I would ultimately step into the destiny that God wanted for me. And, if, and let me tell you, if I can go be successful in this world, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. There's nothing special about me. Anybody can do it. Because again, I'm not a, a guy that, that had an easy path. And I think that again, it comes down to just decisions that we make. I love learning from other people. I think we all have the opportunity to do that and then making the best of whatever the situation that you have. If you're going to be the grad assistant at, at a division three school or a middle school coach, bloom where you're planted and be the best at what you're doing and work to be your best at what you're doing. And if you do that, everything else will fall in, in, in line for you. 
Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of people where their pain becomes their purpose. And it seems like a lot of your pain became your purpose growing up in in a broken home. Dad was an alcoholic, probably wasn't the best role model for you overall and no formal education. And you come in and you're now this light for these players that probably a lot of them grow up, I would guess. So there's a lot based on a divorce rate. There's a lot of people that play for you that grow up in broken homes as well and that are struggling and maybe don't have a male role model in their life for some reason. And and you come in and you can be that person for them and teach them the lessons that you've learned. And then also give them education, not just in a professional way, but more in a personal way too, on, on how to be a male and how to treat people and how to just be successful in life, despite your circumstances. But I want to go back a minute because I think you talked about this moment when you were 16, when you came to to find faith. And I think there's a lot of people that when they're in the darkest of times, they lose sight of faith. They don't have a belief in God or higher power or whatever you call it. And they pretty much think that their life's over. And it seemed for you that that there was a dark moment in your life where you needed something like that. And it found you. So if you could just talk about, about that for a minute, what was going on in your life at that time and how this spiritual transformation happened? Yeah. I love what you said, taking the pain and creating purpose and finding purpose from the pain. And I think that's certainly something that that drove me. And my father, again, man, what a, he's such a good man, a giving man, and, and he was a good role model in some ways. But things that I saw as a little kid, no, no kid should see, or, mm-hmm. and things that I experienced. And those were demons that my dad dealt with. But I am so thankful for that. I really am. Like I, I, things that I went through, I, I'm just awful. And I can take myself back there and just, it, it's it just, it blows my mind. It, it, now as a grown man, some of the things that I dealt with as a kid and saw and hated, but man, I'm so thankful for that and wouldn't change that for anything because that pain became purpose and, and it shaped me. And, and sometimes you learn more from the bad than the good. But the biggest change in my life was February 3rd, 1986, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that was a huge moment for me. And I didn't grow up in a, I grew up in a a Christian home as far as we all believed in God. And we went to church on Easter Sunday and occasionally another day here or there. But really, that's about it. I didn't know what a relationship with Christ was about. I didn't have any idea what that meant. I didn't really understand fellowship. And I really, to be honest with you, wasn't very comfortable going to church because I just wasn't just wasn't something we really did. And my mom, bless her heart, did everything she could to try to encourage that. She had a lot on her plate with, with us three boys and my dad. And uh, But I tell people, you, you never know how someone's going to impact your life. And I think a lot of people in life think that they've got to be some person with this massive following on Twitter or <laughs> personality to be an influential and a difference maker in someone's life. And uh, so in eighth grade, one of my great friends, Les, his youth football coach, and this guy was only like 25, 26 years old, single guy, his youth football coach, a guy named Stewart, just would come hang out. We'd play basketball. We'd run around. And Stewart and I was a guy that was passionate about the Lord, all right, and strong in his faith. And he used to always, I, I think he saw that I was a lost young person. 
And he would, every time he'd come around us, he was talking, he was inviting us to church, talking about Jesus. He was wanting to pray with us, this and that. And I used to tell him, I'm like, oh gosh, Stuart's coming. We're going to have to pray and we're at this and that. And it was just weird to me and where I was in my life. And, sure. and but man, he was sowing these seeds and, and Stuart was just a guy, normal young guy, job, got him getting going with his career, but he was coaching a youth football team and, and he became a friend. And then ninth grade comes and I go to high school and Stuart, he recognized that we had no, we had nothing at Pelham High School. There, now you hear about FCA and student stampede, all these things. We had, we didn't have any of that in Pelham, Alabama. And so Stuart decides he wants to start an FCA chapter at Pelham, Alabama. And, and I'm like, and it was 1985 and my freshman year. And so I didn't really know what it meant other than we were going to get together on Mondays or Wednesdays and hang out. And, and next thing I know, I'm like going because cute girls are going and like, all right, we'll just hang out. And, but that was a huge moment for me because all of a sudden through this guy who again was just passionate about serving others and teaching people about Christ and how to have a relationship with Christ and, and the peace that comes from that. We started, I started learning how to fellowship getting together with a group of people that knew a different way. We started singing songs. We'd sing songs. The stories of the Bible started coming to life because I really didn't know them. And we would have a you know devotion time and we'd learn things. And I started really growing in that area. And then Stuart and I spent some time together and, and I started learning how to pray and things started changing. And my life was a mess. And then when I was 16, man, it was just a bad time. But I had stayed involved in the FCA. And that's what I love about the FCA. And, and, and I, when I go speak at uh, some of these functions, the FCA functions, I'm a poster child for why it's important that we have an FCA program in the school because they came to me and I, 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 I didn't go to them. They came to me. And, but Stuart created that. And we went, I went to hear one, I hear, went to hear one of my childhood heroes speak, a guy named Joey Jones at an FCA event. We, our little group went to the local church and he was going to speak. He was an NFL player and played at Alabama. And I was so excited to go hear Joey speak. And he starts talking about his relationship with the Lord and what that meant and how that happened. And I'm thinking he's going to talk about touchdowns and the NFL and the money. And, and I'm like, and I just knew he had something I didn't have. And they had an invitation at the end of that. Next thing I know, I'm walking down that aisle and, and I'm a lost 16-year-old kid in the middle of a complete family disaster and with a lot of uncertainties in my future. And man, I accepted the Lord that night as my Savior. And I wrote it in my Bible. And the one I had, I don't think I'd ever open it. It was like, open it up. And I wrote it in my Bible and I've written in it over the years. But that started a journey for me of faith that that I'm still on to this day. 16 years uh, of age, I'm 51 now. And man, I can't imagine where I would have been. I would have probably not graduated college. I would have probably ended up in making excuses and things like that for poor behavior, whatever. And But man, that right there was the game changer for me because my life, in fact, my life got worse, to be honest with you, the things that I didn't control. But it gave me focus and it gave me an anchor and a foundation to life that as those storms came, I didn't get swept out to sea. God kept me anchored down. And, and, and I'm so thankful for that. And I've grown over the years. The, the greatest victories that I've ever had in my life is knowing that my three sons know the Lord and that we'll all spend eternity together in heaven one day. And that if my life ended today, I know I don't, it's not some, I know 
where I'm going and I know who my maker is. And so I have peace in that. And uh, we live in a fallen world where there's evil and hate and greed and jealousy and, and all kind of bad things in our life. Man, God is good and God is on the throne. And that's what sustains me. And that's what helps me to stay focused and stay committed to and keep my priorities in order. But it's been quite a journey. And when I've, and nothing changed in my life, like the skies didn't open up. My life really got worse, but I had a peace inside of me that was different. And I had, and I had a conviction inside of me that was different. And like all of a sudden you're faced with certain things and you just know. And so I just kept seeking God's guidance. I just started, I just tried to put my eyes on the Lord in everything that, that I did. And you know, I think that's important. And it's in the good and the bad. It's easy to praise God when everything's good. But can you praise him when you lose that loved one or you don't get that job or you, you, you don't things don't go the way you want? That's the type of keeping your eyes on God and the good and the bad. You got to believe. You got to believe in the word. You got to believe in yourself. And then you can't quit. You got to know and expect, especially as a Christian in a fallen world, that there's going to be lots of adversity there's going to be lots of challenges, but with God, all right, that adversity in your life, it can either destroy you, define you or develop you. All right. If you've got God in your life, he will use that adversity to develop you into who he wants you to become and use it to help you fulfill the purpose that he's created you for. All right. If you don't have that, then it's so many people are destroyed by the adversity in their life or the bad decision or the bad circumstance, or they're defined by it the rest of their life. And that's not what God is intended. God can take everything. He can take anything and use it for his good. All right. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. And if you can really put yourself back in those days, can you imagine what those people must've thought to see this man that they had been following for three years and watching him, heal people and make blind people see and, and, and bringing people back from the dead and all these things. And all of a sudden to see him, what a horrible thing that must have been. And, but God showed us that he can take what we think is the worst thing that could ever possibly happen and use it for eternal good. And so over 2000 years later, we're still talking about it. And, and man, I, I'm thankful for that. And, and people look at me as a football coach and, I, and that's my job and I love what I do. But I'm just a guy that's on a journey of life that's passionate about living in such a way that hopefully will help lead others to know the peace that I know that comes from knowing Christ. Yeah, I think, you know, what you just said there is, is so important for people to remember, because I think for me and my relationship with God, it's it's been more about the transformation and what it's done for me inside and how it's changed who I am as a person and the peace that it's brought me that all the bad stuff that's happened in my life happened for me and not to me. And I think when people hear the word Jesus or God or Christian, I think they get caught up just in, in the wording of it. And they don't think about the relationship and the peace yeah. it can bring if you choose to go down that road. And I think there's a lot of Christians that have given Christianity a bad rap based on oh. how they've treated others and how they haven't shown up in love and how they've shamed people and judged people. And, and for me, yeah. it comes down to how you treat other people. Are you living by example? And then like you said, having peace when times are, are good and bad. Yeah. Like 
I know it's if you look at your track record with Clemson, you can tell that it's your purpose doing what you're doing. You come in in October 13, 2008. I was 20, my 21st birthday. You take over as interim coach at Clemson, and then you just start winning. And I think you had one losing season ever since then, but you were like, I think six and seven. I wouldn't, it's almost 50 50, two national championships, five conference titles. But I'm sure there were some losses in between all of this where you've had to put your, put your heart and your faith and say, okay, like, we lost. This didn't go the way it went. Uh, a player maybe didn't turn out like to be as good as you thought it was. He was going to be as a recruit, and then you just keep going because it's always part of the plan. Right. And I think you've probably seen a lot of people come and go through your program. You've had a lot of impact on so many kids' lives as they've come through your school and your program. But what I wanted to ask you was: Was there a player or two through the years that you look back, man, that guy inspired me? That guy had an impact on my life, and he changed me in some way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, and I love what you said a minute ago about just sometimes people hear the word God and this, and that. Listen, there's good and bad everywhere. Oh, there, there just, there's just, there's bad Christians. There's bad politicians. There's bad police. There's bad lawyers. There's bad football coaches. They're, they're, you, you name it. Evil is everywhere. And, and you can paint with a broad brush, but being a Christian is not easy. And, and just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're some perfect person. That's not, there are, there's no perfect people. But I will say this, and I love what you said about how it's not what happened you know, to me, it's what happened for me. And you're an original, like God made, you're an original. Like he went to a lot of work to make you. There's nobody else like you. And I, that's one of the things I tell the guys that we all have a thumbprint. There's what, I don't know, 7 billion people in this world. And, and nobody's got the same thumbprint. God gave us uh, a very unique thumbprint so that we can go live the life that's only, we, it's an identity only to us. All right. And, and listen, we all have struggles and, and this and that, but, but when you have God at the center of your life, man, you will use all of that to fulfill your purpose. And, but as far as me, man, I learn from everyone. And I, and I think to be a leader, you have to be a learner. And you have to be able to follow to lead. And I've had so many great players that have come through here that that I have absolutely loved and guys and, and great players, good people. But I've also had some guys that maybe had a lot of growing to do that have also impacted me in a positive way. CJ Spiller's a guy that, man, he impacted my life. I recruited him as an assistant and I was became his head coach and God, I saw such a strong faith in him. Heck, he ended up being a guy that would encourage me. And I just, he's one. But I, and I've had so many, so many guys. But if I had to name one, CJ, a guy like Grady Jarrett, who was this two-star recruit, but he had this belief that was special. His belief in our program, his belief in me, his belief in himself, and it was special and inspiring. I've had so many guys that have come through here that a guy like Dwayne Allen might be the worst kid I've been around when I first met him. I inherited him. He was here. When I became the head coach, this guy was whew, he, he was he was a tough kid to be around. He was on the wrong, he was on the wrong path. And he ends up being an NFL man of the year for his team and becoming a graduate and one of the most transformed and, and that's and watching guys and how they go. I've had confirmation of things, inspiration, encouragement 
from so many of my players along the way in their sacrifice, their work ethic, their commitment, and just, again, their encouragement that a lot of the players have given me when I needed it the most. Thankful for that. That's inspiring because I think a lot of times people, they look at you and they see you at the top, but I think it just seems that, that you lead by example so much so that you take in everybody and you take in everybody's advice and you let people just come to you with whatever they need and, and people look up to you because of the way you carry yourself. And as a leader, you have this open heart and open mind to be able to learn from so many other people around you that it creates this safe space, I think, for people to come and talk to you about whatever's going on in their life. And my last question for you is this, is I'm sure you get a lot of guys come to you and their head's just a mess. They're struggling. They don't, they're, maybe their grades are falling. Their performance on the field is suffering. And there's a lot of people in this world right now who are feeling that same way. They're in a rut. They just can't seem to snap out of it. It's almost like they're down like 20, 21 to nothing at halftime. I know faith obviously is something that plays a huge part in your experience for getting out of times like this, but what other advice do you give players when they're coming to you in situations like this? Yeah, well, first of all, we talk about, well, how did we get here? And, and what can we learn from that? And then how do we change that? You can put in your GPS, right? The destination that you want to get to. And, and But what is it? what pops up? A roadmap the steps like you don't just get to the destination you've got to you got to take the steps there's no elevator to get you where you want to go you've got to take the steps and so just try to create perspective for them that's what i try to do because sometimes young people get especially today with all the social media they can get so overwhelmed and they become outside in and, and and that's not how god intended us to live our lives god wants us to live inside out and that starts with having the holy spirit inside of you if you've got that Holy Spirit inside of you, man, I'm telling you, and it's not that everything's going to be good or you're not going to screw up or you're not going to have bad things happen. But when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, all right, he will guide you and you can be inside out. There's a saying that says ships don't sink because of the water around them. Ships sink because the water gets in them. And being inside out and, and blocking out the noise and focusing, get back to the basics and the fundamentals. Okay, what are your priorities? What are your goals? Let's create a roadmap, all right? Usually it's, it's overanalyzing things and it's making it bigger than it is and trying to create the proper perspective. But ultimately, for me, everything comes back to faith. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, they're plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I think that is, is a powerful thing. And if you can hang on to that, then it'll do just that for you. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. And, and there are plans for good, not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And so what that's always taught me is if there is, if, if, if that's true, all right, it, then God's got a great plan for my life, all right? And he paints on a canvas bigger than we can see. Sometimes we look at it and all we see is a mess. But if you had God's perspective, you could see how that fits into the bigger picture. He, he paints on a canvas bigger than we can see. There's certain things on this side of eternity we're never going to understand, but we have, that's what faith's all about. It's believing when we don't understand. It's pushing forward anyway. God gives us, a, he, he says his lamp is a light unto our path. God doesn't flip on some bright lights and thank God we can see every one of us see the five years in front of us. That's not how things are. We would all be a mess. If you're seeking his 
guidance. He'll give you just enough light, a lamp. He'll give you just enough light to keep moving forward. If there's really hope in the future, all right, through Christ, then he will give you power in the present to deal with whatever you're dealing with. And, and faith, trying to create perspective, trying to help navigate and create a roadmap and, and a path to work through whatever it is that you're working through. And then look, there's no magic. There's no magic thing. You've got you've to go put the work in. And, and you got to be inside out as you do that and understand that, that everything still comes back to how you think, how, the decisions that you make, and, and believing that you control your destiny, nothing else. Amen to that. And I think that's obviously a good place for us to end our conversation. And it's, it's great advice. I think it comes down to having faith, believing in God, believing in the plan, believing that there's going to be light coming, even though you can't see it right now, controlling your actions, setting and achieving goals and gaining perspective on the situation and saying, you know what, right now is tough, but it doesn't mean it has to be tough forever. I've gotten through a lot of tough situations in my past and I will get through this too, because what other choice do you have? You can focus on the negative and then what's going to happen is you're going to think more negative and you're going to have more negative consequences and actions as a result. So Coach Sweeney, I really wanted to thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy and I'm so appreciative of you coming on the show and wishing you the best of luck this coming season. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'll end it with this. One of the things I love to tell people, sometimes tell my player, listen, I love those Sour Patch kids. You know what I'm talking about? A little candy yeah. that's sour. And you put it in your mouth, it's sour. <laughs> that's a lot, it's a lot like life. Sometimes we get in some really sour moments in our life. But man, if you hang in there and you suck through the sour, you get to the sweet, right? <laughs> and that's what uh, a foundation of Christ will do. Hey, listen, this goes to the Lord. And just because you've nailed down where you're going to spend eternity, you're still over here in this fallen world. And it does, and we're going to, and, and God tells us we're going to have lots of pain, lots of challenges, lots of setbacks, and all those things. But man, sometimes you just got to suck through the sour. All right. And we're going to have peaks in our life and we're going to have valleys in our life. But God is with us in both of those times. All right. And when you know that, you may not like what situation you're in, or maybe you're in this unbelievable moment. God will give you the perspective and the peace you need in both of those situations. And I think that's ultimately how he wants us to live our life. The Sour Patch Kid analogy. It's, a, it's like another coffee bean analogy. I like it. <laughs> I got from our mutual friend, Damon there you West. Go. <laughs> got to suck through the sour, man. Get yeah. to the sweet. So for those listening to this, Coach Sweeney dropped a ton of wisdom and knowledge and all things faith, family, football, and just how to develop a, a great outlook when you're going through times of challenge. And again, just maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you haven't, you're, you don't believe in Jesus. But I think the thing that we can take, you can take from all of this, if you don't, is just knowing that things are happening for you and not to you. And that there's peace when you can accept that. And just knowing that there's something out there greater than you controlling what you're doing and just making sure that you're respecting yourself and respecting the people around you and showing up in love positivity and hope in the best way possible. And so once again, we thank you for listening to this episode of the adversity advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes. We'll see you next time.